Swing Thought Nerds. We're back. It's another edition of Swing Thoughts. Uh, recording this, I guess this is the second time we've done it since I've been away. Uh, I'm in Mexico, and Coach Tim is in uh, Guelph. Snowy Guelph. Yeah, man. Um, there's been unprecedented snow all over North America the last week or so. Did you did you hear about that snow in uh, California? Oh, absolutely. And, and people are still stuck at home. I don't know whether it's, it's one inch of snow or whether it's a foot. I, sh- I should probably know more about it than I do. But Yeah, I, I don't even think. It's, it's funny because we're of an era, you and I, age-wise, where, you know, we have the metric system our whole lives. But I still think of snow in, in feet and inches. Oh, 100%. Uh, welcome to Swing Thoughts, kids. Uh, as always, brought to you by TaylorMade Golf. Uh, very excited to uh, start hitting the uh, new uh, stealth stuff. Like, I, uh, I've i been talking to the guys at TaylorMade because when I get back, I'm picking up I'm picking up the new driver, new three-wood, the hybrid. Have you have you actually received those uh, items yet? I have. I have. I, I, and I even got my new uh, spider putter this week. Like, I'm giving the... Um, Given my hallway a, a workout. <laughs> um, well, I, I, they're so good. At t- they've been so good to us over the last seven or eight years. And um, here's something I'm going to do this year that I've never done with them. Is I'm going to go. I'm picking up my equipment when I get back on uh, the second or third of April. But I've asked uh, one of the guys. I said, "Hey, listen, can I just go back in the uh, lab for a couple hours just to tweak the, the just so that wh- I want to make sure the equipment? I mean, obviously, the fitting was perfect, but I just want to hit those clubs with those guys watching me hit them, uh, just to make sure in case I need to change the lofts, you know. And that's the, here's the thing because we've never talked about this before. We always talk about fitting and getting your clubs, but I think this after fitting thing." Is something that a lot of good players do, just to make sure that you know what you what I fit in December is going to be the same in April, right? You are you are becoming professional. You're taking this to another level. That's right. I'm very serious about it. Um, <laughs> you can have an entourage now. I would like one. I'm an entourage of one. Believe me, there's enough there's enough things going on in my head. It's like I have an entourage. Um, so TaylorMadeGolf.ca is the uh, place you go for all the information. It's not too late to book your fitting. I know they have lots of room, uh, but it's going to start booking up fast. TaylorMadeGolf.ca. And Tim, uh, we're excited, and we don't want to give too much detail, but we're excited about a couple things. Later in the show, we're going to tell you about a guest that's going to help kick off our, our brand new season. This is the unofficial season, but the new season, the week of the Masters, if you stick around for a little while, we'll tell you who our guest will be. I don't know, would you say one of our biggest names? Well, certainly in the top five or ten. Hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. You, you mentioned this guy's name in the golf world, and I was, oh yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that guy. Whoa. So that guy is coming to uh, Swing Thoughts the first week of April. Also coming to Swing Thoughts the first week of April, Tim. We're excited to welcome a new sponsor. And all we'll say about this new sponsor is, we want you to go and just Google who is Oscar Bravo dot com. Uh, it's pretty cool, actually. It's a it's a new brand of clothing, very very unique, very bespoke. Who Ooh. is? <laughs> I know. Who is? Yeah, you've got a daughter in New York who does marketing. Yeah, you got, you're upon all these new words now. <laughs> who is OscarBravo dot com? And uh, go check that out. Uh, now it's my uh, pleasure to introduce uh, to you someone that. Uh, 
I, I sort of have only met through correspondence, but on our last show, I said to Tim, I said, listen, I got two stories for you. One is uh, the story of meeting the happiest golfers I've ever played with. And that was fun meeting those guys that, you know, to take a different, you know, that they, they play golf probably the way we'd all like to play golf with a sort of a light spirit. The other story I said to Tim that I would tell you is how I met a uh, former tour player. I was on the range one day and I could just tell by the quality of his ball striking that this guy was something beyond me. Because, you know, I go to the range thinking, you know, I'm going to be the best guy. And I, look, I turn around, I'm like, nope, that guy, <laughs> that guy's got some skills. And that guy was a guy named Terrence Miskell who played on the, uh, the, the old Hogan tour. He was like the former uh, California state amateur champion. If you look this guy up, like he's got super golf cred, played with Lehman, played with Mike Weir. And then he uh, ended up uh, getting a little bit injured, played, a, I think played a few events on the pga tour anyway he was using these swing training aids and of course me i'm like hey you know what's that all about and it turned out it was a completely different way of training your body for golf which brings us to our guest today his name is uh, mike romatowski and he's been a personal trainer a golf fitness expert and a post rehab exercise specialist and he created this system called mach 3 golf speed training and uh I just want to get right to it, Mike, because it really is different. First of all, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. I'm happy to be here. So let's just go back a bit. Miskell is a guy that you know from uh, Texas, right? Yes, uh, San Antonio. Yeah. And Tim, he's a guy like he's sort of mid-50s, very strong. And, you know, I've been around a lot of guys that hit the ball, you know, pretty good. But I looked, and, 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 but he was telling me, um, Mike, he said this, these training aids have taken him to like ridiculous speeds. First of all, how does your, first of all, talk a little bit about what your training system is and then maybe why it's different than some of the other systems out there. Yeah. So, you know, we are a speed training system, but we're not what you would call overspeed, meaning uh, with us, only a small percentage of the training are you swinging as fast as you can? I would say 5% of the time. All the rest of it is what I would call strength in relative patterns and in conditioning. So a guy like Terrence, and I don't claim to know his numbers off the top of my head, but I would say his ball speed probably has increased 15, 16, 17, 18 miles an hour mm-hmm. uh, because he dedicated – certain amount of time to very consistent workouts in our classes that we have here in San Antonio. So I would say if there's anything different about Mach 3, it's that we're increasing speed through efficiency and not asking somebody to swing harder. And uh, really when you're, you know, there's two reasons why people are afraid of speed training sometimes. One is they think they're going to get hurt. And the other is they think they're going to start hitting the ball sideways. And so what's needed is a system where neither of those things is going to happen. Uh, so it's, it's not an explosive overspeed system. It's more efficiency and patterns with a little bit of, a, of an overspeed element. Well, Mike, why don't you explain to our listeners basically what do you do in a, in a session? Mm-hmm. So... In a, in a weekly class in our gym, we have about a 10-minute warm-up that's movement-based. So it's, it almost looks like, um, like martial arts training. 
And that's the way we start every class. And then we have another system that's called Rotex Motion, which is a system by which we balance our bodies and it's for injury prevention. So that takes up like the first, I'm going to say, 15 minutes of the class. Then we have a whole variety of training tools. And what I'll say is it's how we train for the entire game. It is speed training, but it is how we train for the game and for the shots that a real golf course will present you uh, uphill lie, downhill, side hill, one foot in the bunker, one foot out. The rough is six inches high. The sand is wet. There's branches in your backswing, that kind of thing. So really, I tell people, you're going to be glad you did this when you get those awkward stances. Mm-hmm. And those, you know, it, it is a game of strength. Golf is a game of strength. And people are finally accepting that. And, and really what I would say is there have been great players who were not particularly flexible, but there's never been a great player who was weak, and there never will be. It is a game of strength. So, Mike, for people that aren't going to come to San Antonio, like myself, but I ordered uh, a couple of these things on Mach3SpeedTraining.com. And when you go to this site, everybody, you're going to see a lot of you're going to see a lot of what Mike's going to be talking about. But I ordered two of the things that Terrence had. And, and I've done speed training with uh, speed sticks and, you know, I, I swing it. I still swing it pretty fast. But what I noticed with these items and I got the speed bomber. Go check this out, everybody. And these things called the jet sticks. And what I noticed from doing I've only done a couple of sessions. And what I noticed right away is that I was fatigued and I was fatigued after 45 minutes and I'm in pretty decent shape. So I didn't start. I mean, I know in the protocol you say it's going to take two or three weeks to get up to, but you know, I, I swung it with some, some gusto from the start. And I can tell you after 45 minutes, Mike, I was done because what it does, Tim, is it builds up core strength and, and please can jump in when you want, Mike. It's not just training to swing faster. It's training to get stronger. Would that be fair? Yeah, that's really what I was talking about is initially, uh, so we use a concept called speed out in front. And that is just a description of how you're using your energy and where you are trying to create the speed. And then beyond that, it's a matter of, of getting stronger in, in patterns that are relevant to the game. Right. So, you know, we can say, yes, you need to be stronger. Well, hopefully you would say, well, what kind of strength? Is it how much I can bench press? Is it how much I can squat? You know, what kind of strength? And the pattern of the exercises doesn't have to be exactly like your golf swing, but it has to be close enough to be relevant. And then the flip side of that is all of the tools that we use are designed so that you almost can't make a bad move. You know, you really can't swing our tools over the top. You can't be steep. They're going to come from, in general, shallow from the inside type of pattern. And so you're, no matter which tool it is, you're continually getting stronger in a pattern that's relevant. And that's really, you know, what you want is some kind of experience where the initial speed gain comes very quickly. So you get a quick reward that comes from speed out in front. 
Wow, it's then, like cheating. <laughs> and, and to, uh, let me let, let, let me see if I can help you. When Mike talks about speed out in front, what he taught, what I believe you're talking about, and I've already experienced using these tools, is that you that all the all the exercises are designed so that the speed comes through the ball and after. They're all there's there's a bunch of statics there's a bunch of static starts there's some there's some dynamic uh movement but what i really really like about it and what i think is exciting for golfers is you learn that in order to do it correctly that you need to swing it so that it's it's getting faster post impact would that be correct yes that's what you're trying to do so here's what this boils down to in golf now we can measure everything that happens in the swing all you can measure a thousand different swings or you can watch a video of a swing and you can see things that are happening how a great player uses his hips how a great player uses his shoulders how he appears to be shifting his weight so the question in the end is i can measure all this stuff and i can see stuff but what am i going to ask the golfer to try to do and only want to ask them to do one thing I don't want to ask them to do six different things or 12 different things. So what we're saying is try to make maximum speed happen after the ball, past the ball. If you measure, it may happen and it may not, but it's what am I asking you to try to do? And that one phenomenon of trying to make it happen past the ball makes it be its greatest at the ball. And that's all you want. Mm-hmm. That's so, so it's cool. very non-technical. Yeah, well, very I, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I saw somebody, I forget where it was like, you know, one of those real things you find on Instagram or something. Someone had a had a picture of uh, a video of Tom Watson on a range. Yes, the I've seen that. The speed after impact is incredible. Like, He's a great example. And a lot of the guys from his era are great examples. Jack Nicholas would have been a, a Mach 3 poster boy. If you watch him, especially in the 60s, you know, um, Johnny Miller, even uh, those guys had what I call a lot of flash speed toward the finish. And so what we're what we're saying is actually this. Where is the end of this movement? Right. It's past the ball upward. And if you're right handed, it's a little bit to your left. But you're letting the finish of the movement dictate how you move. The finish actually creates the move, right? So we do a lot of drills where we actually start at the finish. We're identifying where all of this is going to come to its maximum. Mm -hmm. And then we'll pull back from there and go back to it. So the ball doesn't mean anything to us at all the ball or the position of the ball, it's just kind of a, a halfway point and the ball's going to get swept away by the move you're making. But we want, if, if you were to be standing with your driver about to hit a drive and we drew a line from the ball to your left heel, let's say, we need you to live and breathe out in front of that line. Mm-hmm. Not only with your speed, your strength, your energy, your focus, everything. So we're never going to talk about what happens behind the ball, i.e. the backswing, or even really the transition or the downswing, whatever you want to call it. We're saying the finish is everything. Right. Not, we're not talking about exactly what it looks like, but how does it feel 
to be there with a lot of speed and strength. Okay, Tim wanted to jump in. Hang hang on a second, Mike. Tim wanted to jump in there. I I was fortunate enough to spend uh, time with George Knudsen, who was one of the greatest ball strikers who ever lived. And he talked all the time about hold your finish. That was just the, the key to him was the finish. Sorry, with figure out that light thing. Yeah, my, what, you're, what you're hearing, if you're not watching this, is, is Mike's trying to position himself in his uh, house go. somewhere. That's yes, there we go. go. Yeah, yeah, that's. I got all kinds great. of light coming. <laughs> in the room from you know, you actually, for a second there, you look very angelic. Um, go ahead, <laughs> Timmy. Yeah, anyways, that hold the finish thing is so crucial. I remember my dad was a very good player, and I remember when camcorders first came in, and I was looking at him, and if he came to a nice balanced finish. I went, you stoned it, didn't you? He went, oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> From that great finish. But the thing that I think is really interesting is in light of what I just said, was that when you put your focus of attention past the ball, mm-hmm. that just makes so much sense in terms of what we talked about, that you know, creating speed after the ball. But it also works, I would say, against the tendency for golfers to – just in this zeal to hit the ball damn hard to release everything from the top. Right. And, Absolutely. And they just lose everything. Now, Timmy, before Mike jumps in, you know, it's funny. I just wrote down as you were talking, like, because my older brother, I played a lot of golf with him uh, where I was in uh, Mexico previously. And, and and like a lot of higher handicap players, his vision is, and I, I, you can see it in, 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 you know, older, you know, higher handicap players. I said, it looks like you're swinging to the ball. And I said, look at good players. They're swinging through the ball. Is that kind of what you're saying too, Timmy? Hundred percent. Yeah, and Absolutely. that's what I'm saying. You look at Newton or any 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 good ball striker. It looks as though they're swinging to a place past the golf ball. And and Mike, we've all heard this our whole lives that the ball just kind of gets in the way, or as you say, it gets collected by the swing. Right, and it's 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 really the most important thing. So, in fact, if you were to teach me any sports motion, uh, a cross court sir, uh, cross court forehand in tennis. Um, how to throw a right cross, how to shoot a free throw. I want you to show me the finish first. If you do that, you'll have the best student you've ever seen because intuitively I will now have 99% of what I need to know because I know where to go. And so I'm just going to intuitively go there. And now you might have to refine me a little bit and tweak me a little bit, but you're going to see somebody who moves well immediately for the movement that you're trying to teach me because you showed me where to go. Mm-hmm. And so, so let's even take a free throw. If you show me the point at the end where the ball has left my hand and my arm is outstretched and so on, I can almost reverse engineer it very intuitively. I can come back from there and then go back to it, come back from there and go back to it. So in the golf swing, we really want to understand where's the finish? What does it feel like to feel really strong there? And guess what? If you feel strong there, it means you were strong all the way through. Mm-hmm. You can't lose it early and then somehow reassemble it by the end. Right. You're going to have to have a feeling in totality that everything built up and then maximized there. So... If I say to either one of you, swing as hard as you can, you know what you'll do? You'll dump it in the first microsecond of transition, and it's gone. 
But if I show you something out in front and, and let you put you there and let you feel what it feels like there and let you swing a jet stick by which you're training pretty much exclusively by the sound that it makes. Mm-hmm. So with the jet stick, you're just moving the sound out in front. If, if, if you were a total beginning golfer, I'd never, ever hit a ball. And we give you five minutes of jet stick drills. You, in all likelihood, will look like a tour player five minutes later when we put a ball in front of you. You'll have a great technical swing. We should say, Mike, the uh, jet stick is basically a golf club with a chain and a weighted ball on the end. Again, go to Mach yeah, 3 speedtraining.com and have a look at what we're talking about. because, And you'll see what I have is the speed bomber, which is like a, a rubber... I can't even describe it. But it's like a it's like a rubber tube with a uh, a knotted uh, rope on the end of it. But this jet this jet stick. What Mike's talking about is you swing it so that you can hear the speed past you. That the right. the sound of the whoosh is happening way out in front. And in order to do that, you don't you 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 don't even have to think about your golf swing. You just have to think, okay, I want it to be out there. And um, and again, I did a couple of training sessions uh, in the last week or so, and I can tell you that. It, it activates muscles that good players, you know, I was talking about how does Rory McIlroy hit it so hard is because he's engaging his core in a way that most of us don't. Is that correct, Mike? Yes, it is most likely quite correct. So the question is, how can a, uh, a golfer do that without having to technically be thought to do it. Okay. So in other words, it's something that happens. And if you are maximizing your energy well past the ball, that would have to happen along the way. Or you couldn't be maximized. You see? So, again, you can watch great players and you can measure stuff that happens. You can see things that you think are happening. When you start having... The idea that you're going to have to teach that, try to teach the golfer to do that, you may very well run into issues. Because is it easier to uh, teach someone to produce that sound out in front and therefore speed out in front? Or is it easier to teach somebody how to use their core at impact? I guarantee you that it's easier just to take the jet stick and train by the sound. And lo and behold, the core becomes a very efficient transfer station of energy. And that's, that's really what you're looking for. So, you know, golf is a thinking man's game, but not during the swing. It's your strategy and mm-hmm. you plotting what to do and how you're going to play the shot and how you're playing the round. That's where you want to think. You don't want to think about the swing. And if you watched the PGA Tour telecast yesterday, they were talking about, I think it was Azinger was talking about Jordan Speed, and he said, "You know, when he's re- when he's rehearsing his swing before a shot, he's got all these moves he makes, and you can see his wheels turning in his head. But when he ha- when he's in trouble, and he just has to be creative, he doesn't do any of that. Mm-hmm. He's he's suddenly an artist, you know, and and all of his best shots are pretty much trouble shots. So." In a loose way, that's what we're looking for is, look, we're not going to think about the swing. You need to feel what it feels like. 
to maximize at the end. Okay. Well, well, Mike, we've been talking, what you just mentioned, we've been talking about, well, for eight years. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 220 (laughs) episodes. Let's get away from thinking about golf swing. Yeah, our show is called Swing Thoughts, but it's not about any swing thoughts at all. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So what it sounds to me a bit like is swinging more on instinct. That's a, a phrase we've used a few times on this show. And Howard, I just want to ask you, I want to get back to a question about, uh, well, let me ask first. Howard, how do you relate the way you use these to, let's say, the Fred Shoemaker throwing clubs thing? Is it somewhat similar? You know, I mean, yeah, so, so actually, I'm asking Howard yeah, first. Uh, yeah, oh, okay. well, I would tell yeah. you, it's similar, but here's the thing. Imagine the throwing a club, but then hanging on to it. And again, the speed bomber. This apparatus, again, I'm not doing it justice. I know, Mike, describing it. That's why I want people to go to Mach3SpeedTraining.com and check it out. It, it would be as though you were throwing it, but then hanging on to it. But it, it isn't, it isn't, Tim. Um, it, it, this is one of those things that, yes, we're getting a lot of great theory from Mike, but if you wanted to feel it, I'll tell you what, as a, as a good player, as soon as I saw what Terrence had, uh, in these training aids, I I ordered it the next day, didn't I, Mike? Like I literally, yeah, I I literally had only used them like for a second on the range, and I went, oh, I got to have this. Even Mike, <laughs> I can just so see. Uh, no, I absolutely see the wheels turning <laughs> as soon as I saw going. it. You know, you know what? Uh, and I, again, I'm this isn't a fair comparison, but it's the only thing I can compare it to. And and again, with respect, you know when you see guys with an orange whip. So imagine a better version of that, but not again, Mike, again, with respect, that's the closest thing I could sort of in my mind compare it to. So when I saw Terrence had these, uh, these items, I'm like, oh, I got to have that. And at first I thought that'll just be a great way to warm up, which it will be, but it's so much more. And again, I'm not doing it justice by comparing it to the orange whip, but it's in that category. Would that be fair? I would say roughly. Yeah. I mean, when, when you actually swing them, they feel completely different, mm-hmm. but, but I understand where you, you're coming up with that. And a speed bomber is kind of hard to describe in words, I think. Um, but by the nature of the way the speed bomber flexes, mm-hmm. the golfer is able to instinctively feel load, unload, load, unload. And it's impossible to swing that thing on a poor path. Like I could say, Howard, swing it steep over the top. You would only do it one time. And you would say, don't ever ask me to do that again. (laughs) That's right. Right. Because it it really works shallow from the inside. And so when you watch somebody like Terrence swing it, who's quite strong, what you're picking up on really is, is the, the power in the, in the finish and past the ball. Mm -hmm. That's what you're, that's what you're picking up on when you watch somebody. Because you can hear it as well as see it. Yeah, it definitely has a visceral. It has two things. It's got an auditory element and it has a visceral element. So you feel it, but also you hear it. And and I, I you know, I listen, I've had no contact. This is the first time we've ever spoken, but I've been going back and forth with uh, Mike on, you know, emails and WhatsApps. But I just watched the training protocols on your website. That's what I did. I wrote down the uh, things and I've been doing it myself. And so with no one really instructing me. I can tell I'm doing it right because I can hear it. I know where the sound's supposed to be, and I can feel it. Because as I said to you at the beginning of this, uh, you know, I've done two 45-minute sessions, and I was, I was pretty fatigued. Um, Mike Romakowski, listen, man, 
I, uh, Romatowski, I hope this isn't the last time we talk. I know I wanted to, I sent you a message. I'd like to talk to you because so I just want to make sure I'm doing the, the protocols correctly because sure. I have a really good feeling about, you know, and by the way, I do know Terrence's numbers and they're ridiculous. <laughs> I, I can tell yeah. you his miles per hour increase. And by the way, on the website, you know, what Mike's saying is you can increase your club head speed sometime somewhere. Your average for, for most of your students is somewhere around 11 miles per hour is that correct yeah historically it hasn't changed much since the first year it's 11.5 miles per hour yeah and about half of that usually comes in the very first session from the concept of speed out in front right and then the other half historically will come over a period of a few weeks and months of training but that's what we expect of people to be honest uh and uh, as you could imagine, a common question is, well, how fast can I get? And I've learned to say, I have no idea mm-hmm. because I've seen people do things that I would have never expected in terms of the increase. You know, we've seen 15 and 20 and 23 miles per hour increase as well. So I'm not about to predict anymore. I just say, I really don't know. That's up to you. But I'm expecting you to get 11 and a half. Because that's a story we have. Listen, man, um, I've, I've sent you a note, and you let me know when you've got some time. Because I think, again, I just want to make sure I'm doing it right, and then I'll report back to our listeners if I do uh, get these increases. For the average person, that's like another 20 yards, and uh, who couldn't use that, my friend? Right. Listen, Mike, I hope you enjoyed this. Mike Romatowski and the Mach3SpeedTraining.com is uh, his website. And what a great time of the year to start thinking about. Uh, one day there won't be any snow on the ground. Mike, you uh, send me a note and let me know when you're available, okay, my friend? Okay, great. Thank you for having me on. Listen, man, Thanks, you were Mike. great. Nice to meet you. There's Mike Romatowski. Thank you. There you go. Just let yourself out. Tim and I go on babbling like the nerds that we are. <laughs> Yeah, it is cool. It's it is cool. He's and and yeah, it was funny. Like, and again, nothing against our friends at Speedstick. I I can tell you because people know we've had uh, Ryan Roviard on the show a couple years ago. And what the difference between this and the Speedsticks is basically, you swing the Speedsticks as fast as you can, and that's great. And I definitely think it's a it's a worthwhile pursuit, but these are different. When you, I don't know if you want to go check these. Uh, oh, I definitely these apparatuses out. out because they're they're yeah. just because like I said, they strengthen your body, but they also do something that I think our our listeners would would resonate is they they do they make you faster without thinking about how you're or why you're doing it because it has less to do with your golf swing and more to do with a sort of a feeling and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, I, I, I'm fascinated by it and it makes me think of a few things, but that whole thing about say hold your finish. Yes. It's that it just when you have that sort of in your mind that okay, when I'm done this I can come to a nice finish, it just sets you up mm-hmm. in such a way that, that you're almost you're gonna finish in that that you can't get to a, a nice feel um, finish position unless you're in balance. Unless you've moved in some degree of sequence, you've allowed yourself to be drawn to the target. When you think about it, and you mentioned Newton. Newton always said, you know, hold your finish. Mo used to say, my, my swing balances me. Yep. Um, 
you know, and again, I had this weird conversation with my older brother. I said, it, sometimes it looks like, and, and what happens to a lot of golfers is they're swinging to the golf ball. And, what, yep. and then what happens is you see it, their chest stops, and then your arms go flying by you. But on your good swings, your whole body, you know, not to get too technical, it rotates. Your chest rotates to the target and your right shoulder is, for a right hand, your right shoulder's closer. All those things that you'd like to see in a good swing. But this whole system, and as you mentioned, Newton, all that was was if you could just get to that position, well, then all sorts of stuff would have had to happen that you want to happen without thinking about how to do it. What I find interesting about this is that it aligns with a bunch of things that that uh, that certainly I, I believe in, um, but mainly that we're if we put our attention out there mm-hmm. as opposed to down here. And a lot of times, what I'll say to a, a, a golfer, I said, "What's your target when they're hitting?" And he said, "Well, it's going to be that flag." I said, "No, actually." I think what it is, it says the ball. The <laughs> that's ball right. is that's not you, the target. That's right. They go, well, what do you mean? I said, well, the target is out there. If you put your focus on the ball as your target, your body and brain, which are brilliant, will do everything possible to make sure you hit this thing. But it's there. But as opposed to releasing your energy to go out there, as, as you said before, it's like the club collects the ball on the way. And that's what I like about that. I've heard that before is, is, is put your attention, say, on the front of the golf ball or at least or, or on the target, whatever. It puts us out there and thus our body will release itself through as opposed to, you know, releasing everything on our on our the beginning of our downswing. Well, no, you said it right. You're, if, if you're so far, and then the, the phrase I've used for years is, and again, I used it with my brother, David. I said, sometimes it looks like you're ball bound. And, yep, that's, exactly. and that's 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 what happens to a lot of higher handicap players because they're so focused on being at the golf ball as the final destination. As you say, our, our brains are brilliant. So your brain goes, well, if that's what you're focused on, then everything, all the energy is going there. And listen, it happens to all of us. I was, you know, I was I was playing the other day. I, I, I basically didn't keep score for the entire month month of February. I mean, I, I did vaguely, but I never started around where I was like, okay, what am I going to shoot today? Well, last Friday was the first day I kept score because I was in a game with about 30 other guys and, you know, everyone throws in money. So I knew my score was going to be counted. And I find myself three under through five thinking I should send my entry, you know, when, when's the next champions tour, you know, qualifier. <laughs> and like it was, I was just happening on automatic, right? Just totally. automatic. And I, and I was open because I hadn't had to keep a score. And then I got all excited, you know, I made an eagle, so I'm three under through five, and all of a sudden, I'm like, well, this can, maybe this is the day I turn pro. And of course, then I went on a three-putting fucking rampage. But the point I'm saying is it, it, we, we all get, I, all of a sudden, you know, my focus changed to, I mean, from carefree, whatever, having a great time, to focus was on the golf ball, and I started to hit it like that. So, we all have experienced moments like, in, inside of a round, inside of a, of a day, of, you know, a session of ball striking. But what this stuff does, and what we're talking about today is, as he said, speed past the ball, focus past the ball is something yeah. of a technical nature, but it's such a feel that it aligns with what, you know, we've been talking about, as you said, for nigh on eight years. One of the things that if we had more time to get in with Mike is, is the focus on rotation. Um, when people think of training and golf now, 
most people think, yeah, I, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to do uh, squats, uh, deadlifts, all that kind of stuff. And that's all really good stuff. But that's basically building your strength, you know, up vertically. Power in golf, it, you need that foundational power and strength like Mike talked about. But you need to be able to rotate through. And so he used something like a Rotex motion or something. Mm. I don't know. What's your take on on how rotation comes into it? Because I think that to create speed after the ball, you've got to have a really good rotation going on. I, I, I agree, but I don't – his point, and I think part of the, the way he trains – is is you get you get there without thinking about it like a lot of the stuff that he does with these devices is you start past the ball and you wind up and get and then you go pat you go back to that finish position and so you get in order to make the sound of this swishing sound you can by the way you can anyone can do it with a golf club you can just sort of like where's that where's that that sort of snap, that towel snap feel. Most, a lot of people, it's at the golf ball. But with really, well, yeah, good well, you turn the thing that uh, right. you get coached on is turn your golf club upside down. Right, exactly. Swing that so the, the grip is near the ground and create that whoosh sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. So this is imagine create that whoosh whoosh sound uh, way up past your sort of for a right-handed player way up past your left shoulder, and that's yeah. what his. Uh, that's what his whole thing. And by the way, the other thing he's, if you look at his website, like I've been fascinated by this called, it's called Tathata Golf. Have you ever seen the, the commercials for this? It's like a, a it's like a, an, a martial arts kind of, you've never seen this, the, the spots for Tathata Golf. Uh, Gary McCord was involved with it. It's a bunch of people doing Tai Chi movements. Does this mean I'm not watching the golf channel at 1 a.m. enough? Possibly. <laughs> Possibly, um, but it's fascinating. It's a, it's a, this whole movement about it's a, it's a sort of movement based golf uh, methodology yeah. where it's very much like Tai Chi. It's very much yeah. sort of body awareness. And, and I wanted to at some point I wanted to get him on to talk about it because I've never I've never met anyone that was trained in it, and he is. Oh, that's so cool! Yeah, I I love all that. Yeah, the idea. I know Fred Shoemaker. Uh, talks about what he calls, I think, it's the nothing swing. Is that you swing as slowly as you can, and it, it, it takes an enormous amount of concentration. I can do it maybe once, and then okay, what's the next thing? That's <laughs> right. Um, maybe this is a good you want time. Something more important to do. <laughs> maybe this is a good time to uh, <laughs> announce our. Uh, we we tease it at the beginning of the show. Uh, that coming uh, the week our, our our new season kicks off. I think is it is it the fourth of April? It's the week of the Masters, right? Yes, it is. I believe it's uh, here. I can even look at my calendar. Why well, can you hear Freddie whining in the background? My God, April the fifth, Wednesday before the Masters. April the fifth. Yeah. By the way, the Fred that Tim's uh, referring to is not Fred Patterson. It's uh, his his boxer, his dog. No, and. <laughs> Because <laughs> I was thinking people were like, is Fred there? Why is he whining in the background? Uh, no, I can't hear your dog whining in the background. So on Wednesday, uh, we're going to tape that. So that'll be uh, the weekend of the Masters. We'll release that. You'll hear it, I guess, so Wednesday's the 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th. So that Saturday, the very first swing thoughts of uh, the new season, 2023, our guest will be... 
Golf Hall of Fame uh, instructor, really one of the guys that started the whole guru movement. Uh, some of his students include Nick Faldo, Greg Norman, and others. He is the uh, one of the best uh, teachers that uh, anyone has uh, ever heard of over the last 35, 40 years. David Ledbetter will be our guest. Soak that in, Swing Thought nerds. Absolutely. We're going to have Led on. Because golf's uh, all about nicknames, right? Weirzy, yeah. Amesy, Led. Have, have you ever interviewed him? I have. Yep. Yeah, I wonder did. what circumstances. Uh, I was researching my book on Mo Norman, and I was at the U.S. Open at Oakmont, and he was walking towards the range, and I said, hey, uh, uh, David, uh, I'm writing a book on Mo Norman. I just wanted to get your thoughts on him and his swing and how he developed it. And so ended up chatting for about 20 minutes. He was just a, just a gracious, really nice guy. And... Um, yeah, so it was very kind of him to give him give me his time. Um, you know, he at the time I would say so. This is around 1994. He was at the probably the top of the food chain oh, in the yeah. guru business. Yeah, man. Uh, having you know Nick Faldo had taken the time off with him, retooled his swing, and and that's where really where where Ledbetter jumped to this level of notoriety almost on par with the golfers he like oh my gosh led was the guy well sure nick price was one of his well, i was gonna uh, say no, yeah, yeah, well. i forgot that nick price was certainly you know faldo famously uh playing the european tour this was the mid 80s and yeah. uh and he ran into Ledbetter, who was uh, from south africa i think he had tried playing some tour golf like a lot of those guys and um basically used Nick Faldo to experiment on some of these ideas that Ledbetter had about the golf swing. And uh, Faldo took like a couple of years, not he didn't take time away, but for a couple of years worked on getting his golf, but getting his game ready to, 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 to be a major winner because Faldo knew whatever he had before was too unreliable. And that was kind of, the beginning of the golf guru because before that you really didn't like i don't remember you know jack grout was uh, someone that worked with jack nicholas you know but he, he wasn't following following him around from event to event and so valdo i'm sorry uh, ledbetter uh sort of at the same time there was ledbetter there was rick smith then butch Harmon, and a whole group of guys that became as you say as famous to all of us golf uh people as the players they were working with jim mclean yep and uh it'll be fascinating haney, haney. um yeah um who's the, who's the guy who's the guy was the um Jimmy Curtis Ballard. Strange. Jimmy Ballard. Yep, that's yeah. it. That's exactly who I was thinking of. Yep. Jimmy Ballard. I, now, I never met Mr. Ledbetter, but I have been to one of his academies because a kid that I knew at the National ended up going to work for him in Bradenton, which is where he has his sort of young player, the same setup they had there at uh, Orange County. You know, there's, it's where their young academy is. Kids come from all over the world. And this guy that I knew was in one of the young instructors there. So I've, I've hung out at, the Led, at, a, at a Ledbetter Academy. It's quite something. It's quite yeah. a factory that he's developed there. And he's yeah. coming. So I just want to say he's coming on our show to uh, promote a uh, new training aid he's got. Yeah, that'll be really interesting. Um, one of the things I want to really ask him about, it'll be that whole thing like, 
anyone who's listened to our show for a period of time knows that, you know, it's almost like if I start talking about swing mechanics, I start to get a facial tick. <laughs> and so when you think about David Ledbetter, you think about, you know, there's there's the poster guru, if you will, for making sure your swing mechanics are in the right spot. Mm-hmm. But I, I really want to talk to him about that, about that taking care of of your fundamentals, your swing, you know, hitting positions, all that kind of stuff versus playing and being in that spot of, of like Mike talked about, allowing yourself just to play and let things happen. But one of the things that I find about um, Ledbetter is that, um, well, here I was where I was going with this. Um, I actually, when he was in, I think he was at Lake Nona mm-hmm. and had his academy there near Orlando. And I went to visit him. I actually was one of his um, acolytes, if you will. And there was Ledbetter working with Seve Ballesteros. And what's interesting and why I went down this path of talking about this was that a lot of people say that's when Seve was losing it. Seve had been this natural player, played on instinct, if you will, created this this play of this way of playing, you know, on a beach with a three iron in Spain. And here he was down the rabbit hole of mechanics working with Ledbetter, who I'd like to say the poster guru for that. So I want to ask Ledbetter about that with Seve, but also how do we as, you know, average players or uh, golf nerds like yourself <laughs> and me to some degree, how do we balance that awareness of, of mechanics and just being letting ourselves play? Yeah, I mean, I have one. I at, at home, I definitely one of my golf uh, instruction books is his. Uh, the one with yeah, you, it's basically uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's you know it's him and it's it's cartoon David and cartoon Faldo. And, Actually, and, it was cartoon David Frost. Sorry, <laughs> and Faldo's in there as well. They're all of them. Yeah, are in there. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they're all positional stuff. And uh, exactly. And that's a very, you know, that's an actual, that's a fair discussion to have with the guy that hasn't the, and you know, I, you know, there's all every, every guru, whether it's McLean or Rick Smith or, or our friend Mark Evershed there, they all talk about positions somewhere that you need to hit, but how do you mitigate you know, trying to, you know, uh, have an early wrist cock and at halfway at, at, at P six being a certain position, how do you yep. mitigate that with having to, you know, hit a nine iron, you know, one thirty five on an uphill lie. Like it, it really is part. I think for a lot of things, it's been great for a lot of people, but I think it's also screwed up a lot of golfers. And so it's interesting having Mike Romatowski on because his stuff is all is nothing about position. It's all mm-hmm. about feel, training your body to feel a certain thing. But there's no getting around it that when it comes to, you know, somebody that has a great eye for golf swings, <clears throat> excuse me, David Ledbetter is among the best ever. And uh, I'm really looking forward to talking to him. Oh, it'll be it'll be really fascinating. And that that's one of the wonderful things about being able to do, you know, a podcast like this. Is you get to get to meet these people and 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 ask them things about you know what they're known for, but also our own curiosity, right. which is which is <laughs> basically we're stand-ins for our for our listeners is to ask them 
ask these questions of these people. But go ahead. But, no, I, was gonna say, I, I, just, I take exception with something you just said prior when you said, you know, you said, you know, a golf nerd like you and me to a degree. How are you not exactly, exactly a golf nerd like me? It's a Sunday morning. Because I don't have a golf club in my head every day <laughs> yes. of the week. Well, you only because you have a, a, you know, you're a more responsible adult than I am. <laughs> well, think now we're getting to the number of it. No. Well, um, yeah, I mean, maybe I am a bit more obsessive than you. But then again, it ta- you know, here's what I do. I mean, I, I know what it takes to... Uh, I, I also get such a joy out of it as well. Um, totally. uh, before we wrap up, and I, uh, I'm just mindful of the time. Uh, Tim, I'm just going to say Jimmy. <laughs> I almost called you Jimmy. Hey, this Jimmy. Is the curse of the one-syllable name again? <laughs> I've been doing this show for eight years. No, I, was, I thought it was for Jim. a second. I thought your name was Jim. So Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy's got a uh, new Substack. Uh, we've been talking about Tim transferring uh, his blog to Substack because he's cool. And uh, his latest one is sort of a sample chapter or a little tease, if you will, of uh, a book that Tim has been working on uh, called Quiet Mind Golf. It aligns with his Quiet Mind training system. And uh, I just want, it was so funny at the start of the show, I said to Jimmy, I said, Jimmy, <laughs> I said, I, uh, I read your uh, thing the other day. Just re- remind me what it was. I really liked it, but I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember what it was about. But I did. I think everyone should read it. It's very good. It's, it's kind of the basics. It's sort of the foundation of the quiet mind system. Well, yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> I really like that thing you wrote. Now, just remind yeah. me what the hell it was about. Dude, remember the, e- <laughs> hey, remember the email I wrote you? I just remember I said to you, I, hey, those guys we're working with, what's the name of them again? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, you get to a certain age and you lose your nouns. Well, yeah, I, I lost put it, it this yeah. way. It's like, remember we were talking to uh, Buddy? Yeah, about that thing? About the place? About that thing. So uh, talk a little bit about the latest Substack on uh, Quiet Mind. Okay. Um, yeah, I've been working on finishing a book called Quiet Mind Golf, and I've been editing, editing, and I finally, I had a date of March the 1st set. Um, so I've got a, a draft, a couple, I've sent, I think, five or seven, not six, <laughs> uh, draft chapters to, to my buddy. One of them is about, in essence, presence. And you'll hear someone like, say, Zinger, saying that he's got to be present, he's got to be in the moment. But a lot of people have really no idea what that means. And what they'll think it means is is be in the moment for sure, but a lot of people think they have to clear their mind. And so there's a, there's a misconception of that because um, I think if your mind is clear, it's an unfortunate situation because you would be dead. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> impossible. Because your mind is always going. But right. being in the moment, being present is being present to what's actually happening in that moment, not in the future or not five seconds ago. So, so how do we do that? And to me, it's around focusing really on our body and our sensations because the body never time travels. That Star Trek beam me up thing, they haven't made that work yet. So how do we experience being in the present moment? I give the example of, well, if you're driving your car, just be focused on driving your car. What, what does that feel like? Where, where are your hands? What does your butt feel like in the seat? Or say when you're doing the dishes, just feel the pot in your hands, the, the water. What does that feel like? The bubbles. Um, what's, what's the sound of the water? What's the smell? And when you're, in, when you're fully engaged in the moment, you are present. 
And so that awareness you can take to golf because if I'm, say, focused on the feel of my putter going back and through or, say, on a chip, I can notice things that I wouldn't notice if I was thinking about, say, trying to do something with my hands or my head. So let, let me just say, I, I love that because a lot of times, you know, we'll, someone will have a, a chip shot or a pitch shot and rather than thinking about and feeling the, the you know, having a, a sort of being in the present, you're, they're thinking, you know, I have to get this up and down or what if I stub it or what are these, what are my friends going to think? I hope we get it close. Or you're thinking a bunch of things that have nothing to do with the actual shot that you're about to hit and the way it feels in your in your hands and as you say to be present sort of like you're as opposed to time traveling to all those external thoughts that again have nothing to do with the shot you're about to hit yeah well put it this way a chip shot's a good example quite often what people will do is they're going to think about what's the right technique here right what's the thing i need to do let's say so someone might you know, all the different focuses people have. It could be, say, as a right-handed player, I'm going to keep a, a hinge in my, my right wrist here, or I'm going to have a flat left wrist going through. So they think of all this stuff, but what they don't realize, because they haven't felt it, is that the bluegrass rough is angled against them, and it's going to provide some resistance. So if you don't feel and you don't, more importantly, notice that, what that feels like, mm-hmm. You know, you take a practice swing, whoa, there's some resistance there. Well, I'm going to have to create a little bit more speed. And then you notice that. And so rather than thinking about keeping your right wrist angled, you know you're going to have to create some speed. And I would say the creating speed awareness is going to lead to more solid strike than if you were focused internally on. Than trying to remember what you heard or was, were taught about the correct technique for hitting a pitch shot. Exactly. And, and I would say that, you know, as a, as a better player, like, you know, I, I look at the lie and I'm trying to sort of decide where I want the ball to land. And I might take a couple of quick practice swings away from the ball and go, OK, this is the kind of shot I need to hit. I need to make sure I do. Let's say I want it to be a bit of a low runner or whatever. So I'm, I'm thinking technically for a second about where I'm going to put the ball. But but when I get to the golf ball, all I'm doing is thinking about this, the feel I need to create to, I, I've stopped thinking about the technical part. And all I want to do is feel what it feels like to, to make that swing. That's why, they, you know, the funny thing, I, I've had this discussion with you millions of times. They call them practice swings because you're practicing the swing you're about to do. Not some other swing that you, you know, think, like seriously, a lot of golfers do that. They're, they're practicing the technical swing. Right. They're not practicing the swing that they're about to do. Like if I'm, if I'm trying to hit a ball low, then I'm going to cut my finish off. I'm practicing the swing that I'm going to need in a couple of seconds. And I, I think more often I see golfers practicing something that has nothing to do with the swing that they're about to make. Yeah, because they ha- they're, they're invested, if you will, in this belief system that they have to do something technically right. Yes. And if I do that, the shot will be successful. And that thinking, that belief system, I think really just basically leads to self-interference. Yes, of course. Rather than so, let's take the idea of the of the hinged right wrist for a right hander going through. I mean, that's something that you know. If you're looking at this on YouTube, you can see it. You look at good players through impact with the chipping, whatnot. That that's what's happening. So people think that's where the focus is going to be. But 
let's let's take this back to what we talked about with Mike. If you put your intention in front of the golf ball towards the target, you are naturally going to retain that that wrist cock. That's mm-hmm. actually that's going to that hinge is going to stay naturally. Right. But so if- you don't need to focus on on it. You know, in your mind to keep that. But if it's more on the motion you want to make and the feeling you're going to get, then these these good things will be allowed to happen yeah, absolutely. rather than trying to force them to happen. By thinking about retaining the wrist hinge in your pitch shot, you are going to stub the ground a lot because yep. you're not it's not it's not normal or natural like you know we've had this discussion about you know he he was mentioning shooting free throws or throwing a ball or playing ping pong. You know, yes, I know those are more, you know, reactive sports, although the free throw is pretty close to having to hit a golf shot because it's you're starting from a static position. Yeah. But I guarantee you good free throw shooters aren't thinking about retaining the angle and the difference between their radial ulnar deviation. But but that's what bad that's what bad chippers and pitchers do. Yep. Um, I mean, I know you've worked with a couple of people that I know that have had some chipping issues and all those issues, you know, and when they begin, are are people trying to be too technical with it? You know, you know, we mentioned Ledbetter and Faldo. Faldo, when he was still on the broadcast, and I, I missed him because one of the oh, things yeah. I like about Faldo is that he would also throw in these little nuggets of golf instruction. And I, I use this one all the time. You can't be a good pitcher and chipper unless you keep your chest moving through the shot. But a lot of guys, back to our example at the beginning of the show, they get ball bound and they stop their body at the point of contact. But it shows up, it's really exacerbated when you've got a 20-yard pitch shot over a bunker. Because as soon as you stop your body, your hands, you know, explode into the ground and the ball exactly. doesn't go anywhere. But if you and Faldo said that, you know, you just keep your if you keep your sternum moving through the ball, it'll collect the ball enough for you to hit the shot you want. Uh, so anyways, check out Timmy's uh, Quiet Mind chapter uh, wherever you find o- O'Connor uh, material. Um you and I, I want to hear about Terrence. Do we have time to hear about your experience with Terrence? Yeah, I mean, just real quickly, he was, uh, I was hitting balls with my back to everyone. I was at the very right side of a range, and so my back said to everyone behind me. And uh, I was hitting balls and taping my swing and doing all this stuff that I do. And then I, I saw some guy kind of come next to me, and I saw, you know, he looked like a golfer, but... I, I heard him before I actually saw him hit a golf ball. I could just hear the contact. I heard the contact, and I turned around. I'm like, ooh, what do we have here? You know, some shooter. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> dick that I am. I'm like, ooh. I'm no longer the alpha. What am I? What am I? Not the, because, you know, what am I? Not the best golfer here? So I, I, I heard his contact. I'm like, ooh, that sounds different. Then I turned around, and I saw him take the gri- just grip his club. And I'm like, oh, uh-oh. And uh, anyway, long story short, we started talking, and he's a super nerd like us. He sat and talked to me while I was hitting balls when he was finished. So he's talked to me for another hour about golf swings and release points. We were like really nerdy stuff and this stuff that Mike Romatowski was doing. And then he invited me to play with him. Now, his handicap is currently plus 3.7. And <laughs> so, you know, he's a real player. And then we talk, and plus, he's a really nice guy. And talked to me, told me stories about being on tour with Lehman and Weir. And 
But we played 18 holes together. And here's the takeaway I want for everyone to hear. Yes, he hit some amazing shots. And we talked theory and, you know, strategy and, and position. And he's, he's a big faucet guy, too. But I will tell you, in, in 18 holes of golf, we were just dicking around, hitting extra. It was a little nine-hole course, hitting extra shots. And, but he hit bad shots, too, is what I want everyone to know. This guy, who's almost a plus-four handicap, who probably shoots in the 60s as much as he shoots in the 70s, also hit some shots sideways. And I only say that because when you think about really good players, you think everything they do is really good. And guess what? It's not. And I'm <laughs> not talking about when he... I'm talking about shots he was trying on. Shots he wanted... He was saying, okay, I'm going to try... Because we were talking about, you know, what, what is your strategy here? And he completely <laughs> hit it sideways. I'm like, was that jungle your strategy here, Terry? <laughs> <laughs> but uh man but the quality of his good shots were just extraordinary he has this uh five wood timmy and here's how far he hits a golf ball versus me he hit his five wood 255 yards that's kind of around my driver it's kind of like driver ish for me <laughs> Duh. yeah and uh pretty cool and, and and again when when he hit it good it was really good but i was sort of not only was it a great experience for me to play, uh, to spend the afternoon with the guy, but just kind of like uh, reaffirming that, you know, not every shot a pro hits or a high, you know, a high level player hits is on the button. It's just not. That's one of the one. That's, I think that's one of the great things that I, I learned from uh, Scott Fawcett and you talking about him was we knowing our pattern of dispersion exactly and it goes and the ball does go all over the place even for the best players in the world and what i think is the learning i take from that or the perspective shall i say is that you know as a human being that's gonna happen Mm -hmm. you can have some days in which the dispersion is way out there and times it's a little tighter and if i happen to miss one on you know coming to the 18th green and you know, lose the match I'm in or not finish well in a tournament, it doesn't mean I'm a bag of shit. Yeah. And, <laughs> it means and, I'm a human and that's going to happen. And it doesn't mean that that's a permanent state of being, which is what happens to a lot of, oh, we've had this discussion. Like when you hit a bad shot, part of what goes on in your brain is you think, well, is this it forever? <laughs> it. Yeah, I suck forever. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, he did remind me of one thing because I've been, again, I, I decided that the month of February when I was down here was I was going to try and you know, take what I'd been working on indoors to take it to outdoors. And so I I really was very vigilant. But what I'd gotten lazy with was where I was trying to hit it. Because a couple of times he stopped me and said, where are you trying to hit this? I said, oh, I'm a sort of a soft draw. And he goes, oh, no, but where? Where is this going to (laughs) start? Like, he wouldn't let me hit it. He was great that way. Because we sort of, like, instantly were like kindred spirits of nerddom. But he basically stopped me a couple of times. He goes, I don't think you, he said, you need to get, you reminded me, you need to be more specific. Are you going to start it on the, and, and, and it was a really good reminder that I kind of got a little bit, lazy or lackadaisical about my start lines and this is good advice i don't care if you're a 20 handicap have a like you know rotella used to say that if you can't tell me where you're trying to hit it your brain is just going to say well somewhere out some vague target out in the ether and you notice again the better play the better the player the more specific the target right and i find that with the better the player the more they're kind of out there 
yes. in the environment. They're, they're, it's about the target. It's about where to, for this pitch, where do I want it to land? You know, and taking in, in consideration the slope. Whereas for, for mortals, if you will, um, the focus so often comes back to, to, to me, you know, what am I doing technically? And if I can't do it, is the day going to be ruined? And is it going to be proof that, you know, I will suck for all of eternity? <laughs> and, and where I find the good players, it's like they're able to just kind of go with, with, if the shot doesn't come off, they're fine with it. Doesn't mean that they're, um, eternally damned right. to mediocrity. I think but a lot they just of- have better focus on, on, being out there and responding to that. I think a lot of higher handicap players or a lot of golfers in general think that they have to be more technically um, focused. And they, I, I've had people say this to me. Oh, you know, sure, all that strategy stuff and all that's great, but, you know, I'll, I'm not good enough to, I'm not there yet. Like, I don't have my, my swing isn't there yet. They don't think they're good enough to focus on those things. But the irony is, Listen, I got a million technical things that I'm working on, but when I'm actually playing, I, I'm still trying to play the game. And also, what it what it does is it mitigates, you know, some of your, you know, when you hit a bad shot. Like I, I, the other day when I played in this little, you know, Friday game, I hit a lot of good shots, but I hit some bad shots that didn't turn out. And then you know, I I hit one one ball halfway up a tree, you know, and I I hit my best shot of the day after I took my unplayable. Because I was like, well, like, because the shot I hit into the halfway up a tree, I just smoked it. I just pushed it a little bit, but I I was able to kind of go, well, what's this next shot in front of me? And how am I going to hit that one? As opposed to a lot of players that go, well, what did I do technically wrong that produced that shot? And now is that my fate for the rest of this day? Yeah, exactly. Well, a lot of it is where where are you placing your attention? Mm -hmm. And a lot of golfers have this experience that, um, if they're hitting approach shots to the green, they're all over the place. But if they, if they have to hit out of the trees and they have to keep it low, sometimes they can hit some really good shots. And I would say that's based on your attention on on things like the the trajectory and and what's gonna what's gonna happen with that shot, as opposed to what's the technical thing I have to do in my backswing to, to execute this shot. Mm-hmm. So the focus of your attention creates the shot as opposed to you trying to think your way through the shot and well said coach tim uh o'connorgolf.ca uh you can follow uh timmy uh sign up for his Substack. the latest one is a sample chapter of quiet mind golf and uh once i remembered it i was very <laughs> very very impressed by it um Ugh. thanks to mike romatowski uh mach3speedtraining.com uh and I, I'm going to be honest with everyone. Like, you know, I ordered them. It's not like he gave them to me for free. I spent real money on them because I really, they, they, the idea resonated with me immediately. And I thought, you know, this is a way to work on my body at the same time as working on my swing. So check that out. On uh, the Masters weekend, our guest will be David Ledbetter. Thanks to Andy Broomer for uh, hooking us up with Ledbetter. Uh, what did I miss? I missed anything? Um, we're gonna we're gonna do a tease about our one of our new sponsors. Oh right, um, yeah. Who is OscarBravo dot com? Right. You're not gonna believe this stuff, folks. The uh, the uh, probably the most um, unique golf wear that Tim and I have ever been exposed to. 
Absolutely. And I think it'll be interesting for our audience to see if you want to, if you want to be the only person, we'll just say this. If you want to be the only person at your golf club or in a golf situation, we can guarantee this. If you find out more about who is OscarBravo.com, nobody else you know will be wearing these golf clothes. So Yeah, exactly. I think it's, it reminds me of, uh, I love those ads. The guy, the, the guy who looks like he's traveled around the world, you know, some kind of like, you know, retired gazillionaire. The guy who goes, I don't usually drink beer. Oh, that's right. But when I do. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you will definitely, you will become the most interesting man in the world once you wear this uh, clothing. At your um, club, at least. Uh, the Humble and Fred Show, we've been on another week's vacation. Uh, we get back at it on... Uh, Tuesday, say March 6th, 7th. By the time this comes on, we're, we're taping this show at a different time. So on the uh, 7th of uh, March, um, <clears throat> go back if you've missed a Humble and Fred show. That will be uh, when we re, uh, re restart our, our, our winter uh, session. What am I trying to say? We've been on vacation for a week. <laughs> and our uh, brains have turned yeah. to mush. <laughs> Do you have uh, anything else? Because uh, I think we're done. No, I, no, no, I am done. You've covered it. So yeah, it's... <clears throat> uh, toconnor.substack or just go on substack and look look for that but uh yeah thanks for thanks for that shout out on that um and uh good to see so it's so we're recording this on sunday which is the fifth and you say that humble and fred comes back on what, on tuesday? tuesday the 7th uh and let's not forget taylormadegolf.ca uh not that we would uh but once again the uh, new line of stealth equipment is out uh, this will be the year for you to uh, get into that. You know, forget the commercials about forgiveness. One of the things they're trying to get a lot, get across is that these clubs go far and they're easy to hit. So that's a pretty good combination. Uh, what did you want to say there, sir? Uh, I got the spider GTX putter. It's yeah, you're doing it. Just got it this week and I'm loving it. I know one thing. If I had the uh, spider GTX putter on Friday, I would have shot 69. Because uh, once you start, once you three putt five times, it definitely affects your score. I shot seventy seven with three birdies and an eagle. That's how bad I putted. Ooh. No, I know. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for that noise. Because believe me, there's nothing more to say. Yeah. When I left the golf course, I'm like, I think I left a few uh, strokes out there. Anyway, uh, thank you uh, to uh, everyone who uh, tunes in. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and uh, like the podcast. And we'll see you next time. Guitar George He knows all the chords